All right, guys.、Uh, welcome back to another episode of our quarantine diary.、Um, today, I just finished、um, "How to Change Your Mind" by、uh, Michael Pollan, and I was thinking about what kind of a subject, what kind of a content I want to do to share with you guys, and then. I came up with two things that I, that I want to share.、Um, first of all, it is a great book.、Um, like Michael Pollan has become my favorite writer.、Um, I'm working on a couple of his books right now.、Um, one is Second Nature about gardening. I'm trying to figure out what to do with the garden that I have, and then this is just a you know a step up, right? So first of all. I think we've discussed this on summer shows and other platforms. Is that、um, I personally are curious about psychedelics in the in the realm of have some sort of transcendental experiences in that regard, right? So something more about how can it help me to. Meditate better, or to handle everyday life better. I'm really, really curious about, at least for myself, is the experience, right?、Um, hopefully positive. And I was trying to get a more、um, visual sense from reading this book. What does it mean by losing your ego? What does it mean to see your Ego shredded away. Like, what does that experience be like? And I think Michael Pollan himself did a great job in terms of、um, describing the LSD experiences,、uh, psilocybin, magic mushroom experiences, and finally toad experiences. And I sort of see why. The musicians, right, back in the '60s, were talking about like the, you know, Eagles or you know,、um, jazz musicians, right, that, and then、uh, Jimi Hendrix, right, like why they are, you know, consuming those psychedelics for artistic movement. I kind of get it now, and obviously there's a fine point of not to abuse it. I'm, I want to cover that too, but in a nutshell.、Um, This is a very very good book that gave me a lot of context about the history of psychedelics, about、um, the current state of neuroscience, and、um, I want to share my thoughts on the plans I have later on this podcast. But first of all, <coughs> excuse me. I just want to kind of share. Michael Pollan's uh, su- uh, su- uh, psilocybin experiences, right? Which I find it very, very interesting. He put it as he became a transparent ear, and the the most intriguing thing is that I I listen to a lot of classical music, especially during the reading times right now, and、um, a lot of stuff is, to be honest.、Um, Facilitate、uh, is facil facilitating for、uh, reading and for focusing, and then I want to share a paragraph on the book where he was listening to、um, the unaccompanied Bach cello suite. 
um, that is definitely one of my favorite piece of classical music of all time, and it was probably his favorite piece of classical music as well. And I was telling I was telling you you guys about this, like you know Michael Pollan on Suicide saw his ego shred away, right? So himself became a transparent ear. He said, "It's indistinguishable from the stream of sound that flowed my consciousness until there was nothing else in it, not even a dry, tiny corner in which to plant." And I observe. So, he was open to the music.、Uh, he became the first strings could feel on my skin, exquisite friction of the horsehair rubbing over me. And then the breeze of sound flowing past the lips of the instrument that went out to meet the world, beginning its lonely transit of the universe. So, after he get、um, his ego got shredded, right? So ego is a thing that grips us, right? Like patrol us and make sure that we don't do certain things that don't feel good to us, or we're or we're so scared of the you know other judgment. And I want to share about this piece after, after he listened to or during the experiences when he listened to the second piece of the Bach、uh, unaccompanied cello suit. Okay, so he wrote, "So I became the cello and mourned with it for the twenty or so minutes it took for that piece to to change everything, or so it seemed now." Its vibrations subsiding. I'm less certain, but for the duration of those exquisite moments, Bach cello suit had had the unmistakable effects of reconciling me to death, to the death of the people now present to me, Bob, Ruthen, Roy, Judith's father, and so many others, but also to the deaths of Com, and to my own, no longer so far off, losing myself in this. Music was a kind of practice for that, for losing myself. Period. Having let go of the rope of self, slip into the warm waters of this worldly beauty, Bach sublime music. I mean, Yo-Yo Ma's bow, careless of those four strings, suspended over an envelope of air. I felt as through I passed beyond the reach of suffering and regret. So. In the beginning of his ma- magic mushrooms experiences, he was seeing the faces of、um, his past friends and family member came back, right? And then after a couple hours, when he was still, you know, ingesting the mushrooms, after he listened to the music where he felt connected to, this is what he meant by losing myself in music. Actually. The music helped him to pass beyond the stage of suffering and regret. So he was primarily, primarily, you know, more. How should I frame it? Primarily more at peace, or in my opinion, reach a trans a transcendental、um, stage or a transcendental mental space that will help him down later on, right? And part of the thing that I think is interesting is because I think after this, you know,、um, magic mushroom experiences, the next time that Michael heard or actively listened 
the second piece for the Bach on a company cello suit music when that tune come on, I think it's gonna help him or help his mind to reach for that imagery to at least through some kind of a meditative process, right? So get him there. So a mind once stretched is less likely to revert to the old state. And I do feel like listening to music or, you know, have certain kind of a tune connected to the experience is so critical because after the experience of magic mushroom, we can go back to normal and then because our we have already experienced it, yeah, like we're on drugs. Yeah, that's true. But we have we have experienced that, and what that means is that it's going to help us to get to that mental space quicker. You know, that's that's kind of why because I'm medi I'm meditating now, and then I feel like there's other scenarios where I can use this to be more quote unquote enlightened, right? And second way I want to share is that. Um, the idea that why I think one-on-one um, -on -one exploration with an experienced guidance right, from a psychiatric personnel or a psyche therapist is beneficial to everybody is this, right? So in the book, towards the end, um, in the neurosection section, um, in the neuroscience section, excuse me, um, Michael Pollan in, uh, in, in introduces uh, findings of a uh, psychologist name is Alison Gopnik, right? So she has this kind of a theory called a spotlight consciousness and lantern consciousness, right? So what that means is that a spotlight consciousness, it describes adult brain and lantern consciousness, it describes children brain, right? So an adult brain will like to direct attention to some kind of predictive coding, meaning shortcuts, meaning habits, right? So we don't have to process so much new information every day to help us to make decisions or create movements. Now, I can see this as a spotlight or we can say laser, right? Laser consciousness, just focus on that one thing, one goal, one outcome. That's what our adult brain is trained to do. Now, children has a different approach, right? So children, what, what uh, Gopnik called it, is called lantern consciousness, meaning that the attention are more diffused in that regard. So it's like whenever you're in the dark, right? Whenever you're walking on a darker trail or something, whenever you're raising up a light source or a lantern, the whole space got lit up, not just that very, very tiny dot or that spotlight, right? The whole space that you're you're you are seeing a bigger scope of visual imaging, right? So that means according to Gopnik that children is more conscious than adults. Because adults were so used to taking in so much information, we are getting a habit unconsciously to suppress those visual, those conscious visual cues, if that makes sense. And that's why I totally agree with Michael Pollan that one-on-one, -on -one, what we call this, you know, a, you know, a spiritual guidance is, is actually beneficial for, in my opinion, everyone to experience, to explore. But the thing is, is we are still early 
in terms of psychedelic research, right? So back in the 50s and 60s, everything was going fine until um, people say Timothy Leary, right? This is like the bad boys of psychedelics start messing things around, start you know like forming new, new, new groups of people, and then you know there's actually a bad rap. So the field actually just getting to restart late 90s, early 2000s, right? Like right now, we actually hit some strides because Tim Ferriss helped um, the Johns Hopkins Institute develop a MAP center, right? Um, so they have specific salary for, for very, very top-notch scientists who study psychedelics. So we are learning more and more and more about ourselves, about psychedelics. I do think that the timing right now, as if April of 2020 is still early, for a national rollout, um, and it, I think it, it's so early for everybody else to, to like try, but this book does serve its purpose to educate, to share through Michael Pollan's writing about the experiences that one might have and the potential benefit and downside about trying different psychedelics. Um, for myself, um, I shared it on Summer's podcast just to reiterate, I fully enjoy to have full control of my consciousness. And I do see Alison Scott's point is that children are actually more present, are actually more conscious than adults. That's a shame. And, 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 and for me, I'm trying to meditate, trying to take more of those situations in to train myself to that. But it, 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 it's going to take 20 years, right? So it's going to take tw uh, 20 years roughly of consistent meditative practice for us to reach to the point that we can somewhat experience the egoless state of being, a state of mindset. So... In that regard, I am a strong believer in psychedelics. I'm still very, very cautious about trying them. Um, and I'm still very, very cautious trying it by myself, right? What, what we call it micro-dosing micro or, you know, just drive to Colorado and, you know, get, and like get high. I don't want to do that because there's still a lot of stuff that we don't know. And for me, down the line, if I have a need for this, right? If somehow I become depressed or I have suffered from anxiety or PTSD, certain events in my life, then I will look for a more experienced guide person, right? To get through this situation. And for me, the reason I'm curious again is that I am, uh, I don't want to say... Um, experience medi meditator, but I've been doing it for the last year, year and a half, and I really, really curious about that specific mindset. And I'm really curious about after the experience with psilocybin, with uh, magic mushrooms, or other stuff, is that how I can use my med my meditative practice to get back to that state of mind, and that is really the thing that I'm really interested in is how I can improve my meditative practice by exploring the realm of psychedelics. Um, yeah, that's about it. That's everything I want to share on this 
wonderful book, How to Change Your Mind. I recommend everybody read it because we've we've all have friends who are depressed, right? Who's 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 suffering uh, from psychological issues, and this might be the I don't want to say end all and be all, but this might be the ultimate solution, quote unquote, right? For at least beneficial everyone to explore.、Um, I do feel like a lot of the thought leaders in this area, Tim Ferriss, right,、um, Sam Harris, and other people are on the right track, and I do believe that、um, legally, you know. At least in the U.S.,、um, there's less and less, you know, a stigma or burden culturally about psychedelics, and it is a good time for people to get interested in it. Not saying that you have to try it, but at least to get educated about psychedelics and the potential benefits and damage to people and to other members of the family or to society. So, highly, highly recommend、um, how to change your mind, and、um, you guys、uh, be safe at at home, social distancing, and we will get through this together. All right, guys, bye.